0: "'It's usually a good sign when you say etc. etc.," said Wren. "'She favoured Barney with an almost smile. "'It means you're in the zone.' "'She gazed at the new list and then gave a little huff of approval. "'Good,' she said. "'I'm in the zone now, too. "'This timetable will be huge. "'I'm going to need a bigger book.' "'Come on,' said Barney. "'Let's start right now. "'We can start right away, because we don't need actors.' Let's go down both sides of the street and start asking people. Come on. Come on. Barney felt hot all over again, but now it was with possibility and purpose. Fizz flowed in his veins, as it always did at the beginning of a film. He wanted to go in fifty different directions all at the same time. He felt light and swept up, and a trifle giddy. Like one of the squadron of Bolsawood planes, Albert Anderson and Jean always launched from the balcony at Montgomery's on Poppy Day. Come on! Wren closed the production book and returned her pencil and sharpener to the pencil case. She seemed to be thinking. There's just one thing. What? There's not really a story, said Wren, a little reluctantly. There's stories, everyone's stories, but not really a proper story with a beginning, a middle, and an end. You haven't got a hero. I'm sick of all that, said Barney, he swept back his hair with a flourish. He walked towards the swing doors. But anyway, we have got a beginning. We'll start with his lordships. And then we'll go north down that side of the street, and south up this side, and end at the Mediterranean. So there we have got an end as well. And the street is the hero. I thought you were sick of knowing the end. Wren was so picky. We only know where, not how, said Barney. What an excellent reply, he thought. They pushed through the door and out to the street, squinting against the bright white sun. Our new set, said Barney, smiling with great benevolence upon the street. They surveyed the view northwards the sunbathers at Little Wilt, the yoga room's rainbow pennants, limp in the windless afternoon, the old park seat beneath the horse chestnut tree, where no one ever sat because of all the starling poo. They looked south, past Montgomery's sandwich board, which showed the word books going up, down, diagonally, and backwards in a word-find square. Past Claude's exquisitely-dressed mannequin, Beau, leaning casually on his hawthorn walking cane in the entranceway to Brummel's. Past the gilded palace, the bright plinking of a mandolin coming through the open window. Past the tall polytech buildings, the green tops of spreading oaks, the domes of the basilica, all the way to the port hills, straw-coloured and hazy in the distance. Guess what? said Wren. What? The Mediterranean isn't the last place on this side. The post office is. We'll have to end there. The post office, of course. The stately old building had not been a post office for years, though carved stone letters spelling post office reigned still above the top story windows. It was the same for many of the street shops. Their earlier lives announced themselves still to the passing world, "'chipped and shaved by the weather, or painted over. "'Stacks bicycles above pings. "'Squire's fine meats under the awning at the nuthouse. "'Amodio and Co., "'a florid inscription above the windows of Izzy's apartment. "'After it had ceased being a post office, "'the post office had housed, in succession, "'an accountancy firm, a tattoo studio, "'an anarchist art gallery, and a Greek restaurant. "'But it had been empty for a long time now.' It was waiting for someone with a good business idea to revive it. The windows of the several stories had been boarded up after the glass had been smashed. Dick Scully, not at all pleased by the sight of the neglected building, had made the sign straddling the big double door.